1: Middays 10 a.m. till 2
2: on Chicago Sports Radio
1: 670 The the score. Score.
3: Don't you think you've already proven your worth as the quarterback I mean, of the Bears? You just rolled your eyes a little bit, uh, but I figured I'm going to ask a question I know the answer I to, think, but I want to hear it. Yeah, I mind. mean, I think, you know, I've shown a little bit, but I don't think I've shown uh, the world what I can do in terms of, you know, playing the full quarterback position and playing it consistently, you know? Mm-hmm. I think there were, you know, some times this year where, you know, I was better than others, you know, late, the like my last game of the season against the Lions, that, 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 that wasn't a good game. So just being more consistent, you know, for my teammates, for my coaches, and, you know, f- f- for the fan base, so uh, you know, once I do that, once I you know just keep progressing and keep getting better, then I'll be good.
1: Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk. Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes, powerhouse pairing, ten to two every day on Chicago Sports Radio, six seventy the score.
3: The powerhouse duo is off today. You'll have to settle for me, Mark Grody, and <laughs> eighty-five Bear Tom Fayer. Paris. Here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. I know exactly where I want to start. I was trying to figure out what my starting point was going to be for the show here today. Tom Theron, it's great to have you. Great to Thanks. see you. Thanks. Good to be here you, with you look also. <laughs> You look great. The clothes look good. The whole thing. You're I know. Looking- I
1: wear an actual shirt with buttons on it, and we're not twitched today, so yeah.
3: I'm wasting buttons for nothing. <laughs> it, it's, it's good to see you. It. It's such a different mode seeing you in studio, hosting a show with you, as opposed to seeing you or being with you in the press box, or not the press box, the actual broadcast booth at Soldier Field. Because when- I'm so crabby? Well, no, you're not crabby. It's just a different mode for yeah. all of us. Yeah. You're you're serious. Sometimes when I first started doing sidelines with you guys, you guys were great, very welcoming, but I didn't know your rhythms. I didn't know your rhythm. I didn't know Jeff's rhythm, all that kind of stuff. I figured it out. I figured it out. So you guys are cool. I
1: I don't know what you're about to talk about, but if we're not gonna readdress the opening with Justin Fields, I would like to go back and play that again and talk about it. Good. Because um, to me, I like what he said there. Okay, and and I'm encouraged by the future. So, all you right, know, I don't no, know, like. I, said, we, I don't know what you're gonna say. No, no, I
3: actually wanted to start. We are gonna talk about Justin Fields. That that's on my like right away list here as well. But I wanted to get this out of the way right away. And this was from it's something I genuinely need an answer from you on, and it does deal with the National Football League. And on Monday. January twenty third at five twelve p.m. Tom Thayer, you sent me a text message to my phone <laughs> saying the following: Burrow and Mahomes and Hurts and Herberts rate one to four. Send response. I then <laughs> rated them one to four. Here and here they are. I will not carry this out into some extraordinary tease. My out of that, when Tom, had, my immediate response was. Hertz 4, Herbert 3, Burrow 2, Mahomes 1. So now I need to ask you why you asked me that, and what's your answer? What what did I get myself into by no, answering this you know, so,
1: so this is what I did, is I um, sent messages to about 10 or 12 people from different levels of football. So my nephew coaches high school football. He played college football at University of Illinois. He's been a Potter football his whole life. His dad was a coach. Doug Coletti, yourself, David, Um, so I just wanted to see like where people were thinking, because when I was looking at the, the end of the season, um, I was kind of paying attention more to Jalen hurts because I felt that's the future of Justin Fields. And if I had a choice to put all those guys on a table and you're getting a team ready, that has to make your supporting cast better, not the supporting cast making you better. Mm. And I was thinking of which one of those guys do that the best, and it probably is Mahomes. Yeah, I don't think there's you know. any doubt, right? I mean, But look at the supporting cast he's had since he's been here. He's had an established NFL head coach who understands how to put an organization in place. He's had talent at the receiver position, so much so that they could take, one of the fastest guys in the history of the league, and let him go down to Miami. So you know, Mahomes was was my top choice, and you know that time I was a little bit enamored with Josh Allen, and mm. I don't know if it changed throughout the the play, you know, throughout playoffs. I still like Mahomes. I still like Jalen Hurts. I like Justin Herbert, and I and I like uh, Josh Allen. So you know, those four guys, I think you know everybody. Had a different order of how they looked at him coming back. Yeah, Yeah. and so I thought that was kind of interesting. And and to me, it's just um, you know the the guys I respect around the landscape of sports what was their initial reaction? I don't want them to go back and start studying the analytics of what they did this year. Just tell me what you're thinking at that right. second. Sure. That's why I said, can you please message me back Right, just now. send,
3: yeah, send your, your immediate response. <laughs> it's funny. Like We talk about Justin Fields, and we have been breathless over the Jalen Hurts comp because it's a good comp. It's a really good comp. There's similar skill sets. They are players who struggled early in their careers, and both are still early in their careers. So it's a perfect comp. If you ask Justin Fields, though, who he'd want to be out of those guys, Mahomes, Burrow, Herbert, and Hertz. Who, who, I mean, of course, everybody wants to be Patrick Mahomes, but Justin Fields has made it pretty clear. Like we everybody wants to hot take his inability to, to pass the football. Guess what? Justin Fields wants to pass better. He he even said at the end of the year he wants to be able to get Awards or recognition based on his passing, not on his running. So if you asked him, he'd probably prefer to be a little bit more Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert ish. Well, though know, those guys can move a little bit too. I, I
1: forgot a Joe Burrow when I was talking about the other. Well, those are those are the four you so, gave me, man. You give um, me
3: Burrow, Mahomes, Hurts, and Herbert. No, yeah. no Josh Allen in there by the way. Right, Tom.
1: Um, because I think that's why I mentioned I was a little disappointed <laughs> with Josh Allen at <laughs> yeah. the time. That's why I didn't send. It. And I gotcha. really was. I really love Joe Burrow. Don't make and what it personal, Tom. To do. Don't make it personal but, in you life. Yeah. Look. Looking back at Jalen and what he's Jalen Hurts and what he's been able to accomplish, and um, you know having the same coaching staff in place for two years in a row. Now the offensive coordinator's gone, the defensive coordinator's gone, the linebackers coach is gone. But I think that's the same thing with Justin Fields. If in his career, you know they tran they both transferred different colleges, they both become a part of a new system. They both come in the NFL, and now they're learning a new system. To me. Luke Getzy, as as important as any player on the Bears who will never get in a stance and never put a jersey on because the development of a quarterback is going to become, because of the consistency and the terminology that he's repeating for the 1,000th, Time, you know, and that's that's the way that Justin is going to get better. It's because of the consistency in terminology and knows exactly what he's saying and how what it means to everybody. I think if you break the huddle every single time as a young quarterback and you're thinking as you're going to the line of scrimmage, you're already beat. Yeah. And so, to me, this year for Justin Fields and, and Luke Getze, they got to be attached at the hip, man. They have to be able to go out there and. Luke has to say the first two or three lines in a play, and Justin's got to be able to take it from there. It's like that music show when they play a couple of notes and then they know yeah, the song. name because, that tune. Right. Yeah, and
3: that's, and that's
1: right. what that's what this has to be for Justin. It's got to be named that play. And, and, and it can happen, and you know that's the way that we were through our system because we were in the same system so long, is the quarterback in the huddle could say – Three words out of his mouth, and we knew what the the play was.
3: I think we should at some point in time today, and Tyler Buterbaugh is our producer. We should probably play Name That Tune at some point in time and see. See, I'm awful at music. Uh, I never
1: bought music. I would uh, never. Really?
3: Yeah. Interesting. I would I, w- I would have had you down, and maybe I'm typecasting you because I know you used to work for the Loop and stuff. I would have thought you were like a classic rock guy, like grunge no. and all that stuff. If you were listening, so you're just not a music so, guy. So no, you not, know, yeah.
1: Um, when Keith Van Horn and I were doing radio for horn. a while, Keith he's is he horn, is horn, so yeah, he horn. is so into music. He knows everything about it. He knows a lot of the guys, and 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 he's the the music guy. Me, I'm not. I don't okay. know. I don't know if I've ever bought a record in my life. That's wild. A uh, tape, a CD, an 8-track all throughout the course you're of my life.
3: You're just like the quintessential sports was your life, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it, sports. It was but all about sports.
1: At home, I do have a 1913 hand-crank Victrola with a series of records with it that uh, is still playable. I don't, I don't listen to it very often, but it's just a neat piece uh to have you like to rock out on there on that <laughs> <laughs> i just i you know i look at the dates that the, they were recorded because they yeah. have in the middle of the disc that you play on this and there's no chance of anybody being alive still that's ever recorded on one of these discs that I have for it. Uh,
3: that's hilarious. Let me ask you a question here. We could open it up, too. But by, by the way, we, we are open yes. here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. 312 644 67. We have Tom Thayer here. I'm Mark grody We both cover the Bears. So we're going to keep the phone lines open for any... Like, you got a Bears question or a Bears thought. Today is absolutely the day to do that. But... I'm thinking about this and the the enorm like it's fun to talk about all the different scenarios that are going on. We're going to dig into Justin Fields further even in our next segment, but a first question about Justin Fields is how many games does he get next year? Like if he struggles, let's say in his first 5 games of the year next year, and let's just say it looks exactly the way it looked this past season, which we know is half great. You right. know what I mean? That's what I like to say. He looks half great. But if it's the same and we don't see development, how many games does he get next year? Like, Does he get six or seven games before you start to worry? Because you know that next year if he doesn't improve or make people think that he is going to be at least good then that's it. Then the following year, there's going to be competition for Justin Fields. Well, there's indicators. Mark, if we go there
1: and we sit at every OTA and every training camp practice and Justin is holding onto the ball unrealistically too long and trying to let his receiver get open before he throws it, that's going to be an immediate indicator to me. It's going to be about timing in the development of offense and the timing of Justin Fields and how he fits in this offense. The supporting cast has to be better, too. You can't go out there and get sacked as as many times as you have, you did. You know, being in a retreat position 1.3 seconds into the protection and then you looking for uh, an escape hatch. It's about making sure that the supporting cast is elevated so Justin Fields has a, a, a better group of guys to work with. And maybe that's just Chase Claypool being around the entire offseason and Darnell Mooney getting healthy after his injury, Cole Komet, not taking another step, continuing to elevate into a stratosphere that you want him to be talked about at the end of the year,
3: yeah, I mean all of those things apply, and it's i think it's obvious like if they don't if, if they don't improve this if there's not like serious improvement personnel wise on this offense you're allowed to be mad and you're allowed to be shocked and you know maybe it's not going to be the same. Promotions or development that Jalen Hurts had, considering the weapons that he was given in Philadelphia, but there, it, there is going to be a heavy-duty expectation, and I cannot wait to see how he plays under under that. Yeah,
1: Well, you know, to me, if that's if I wanted to improve under those type, I would only go and look at the plays that I failed at. I'm not <laughs> yeah. going to go back and look at the plays that I had a 70-yard run against Miami or I had a completion to a guy that was left uncovered. I want to go back and I want to look at my interceptions. I want to look at my sacks. I want to look at the plays that be, in completions that should have been either gone to a different person or they should have been more accurately delivered. That's how you're going to get better. You're not going to be get better by patting yourself on the back because you juked a linebacker who can't catch you anyways and you turned it into that 50 yard run
3: you know i got a text message here tom I'm a little bit disturbed by it from the six three zero. 3 0 it says stop calling him horn grody Keith Van Horn. Isn't that what you yeah, guys call yeah, him? Yeah, Horn. It, yeah. Horn. It, yeah, it,
1: you know, that's the thing about it, especially on our team. We had so many guys that you almost rarely referred to by their first name. Sure. You know, Horn was Horn. Hilge was Hilge. Yeah. You know, you know Kurt Becker was Beck, and so – um, you know, Back. Yeah. you know, yeah, you know, William Perry was obviously fridge. What were you? Th- nothing. I was going to say that worked. You know, in in my lifetime, I never had a nickname. Stay. So it's just like you know.
3: Yeah. Well, maybe maybe. We but can... I mean, it, you know,
1: Tom Zack was T zack Of course. You know, McMahon was nine. You yeah. know so it's you know so 630 it's okay for Grody to okay. Okay. for him to call Keith Van Horn. I, Horn I think he
3: was just annoyed that I was making such a point of it perhaps or maybe he thought I wasn't worthy of calling Horn Horn but if you say it's okay Well maybe
1: he was getting confused <laughs> that you were talking about the old basketball player Keith Van Horn oh, oh and he didn't god. know what sport you were talking
3: <laughs> oh, about Oh my god yeah that's right the the sharp shooting Keith Van Horn What did he play Utah or yeah, something like that somewhere and out then, west And yeah. I want to say he played with New Jersey in the NBA, I think mm-hmm. Keith Van Horn. Like for the majority, yeah. that's
1: right. Isn't that wild though? Yes. You can have a name that unique and then have two guys, you know, at the same era playing different professional sports. Oh yeah, the same name.
3: That's so funny, man. Like I, I, I always was felt a little because I am so protective of the '85 Bears. I did feel <laughs> a little bit like you're not Keith Van Horn. Well, yeah. there, there's a college. Uh, receiver right
1: now, and his name is Thayer Thomas. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's and awesome. every every time yeah. I hear it, I just it's kind of funny to
3: to think. I think the number one name. I, I'm just guessing that the number one name in all of sports, probably through the years, is Steve Smith. There are so many. Steve yeah. Smith. I mean, you, you yeah. can name a couple. Right? I mean, the former Carolina wide receiver, Steve Smith, the former defensive uh, player for the Blackhawks. Um, I think
1: there was a fullback named Steve was, Smith. Yeah, yeah, there was
3: a fullback named Steve Smith. It's a very popular sporting name these days. Well, I'm glad I was able to get that cleared up. Actually, I had a texture too two asking, hey, who do you guys have on the show today? Um, I did not give the guest list yet. We will have on today Mark Potash from the Chicago Sun-Times at 11, Ricky O'Donnell. Talking Bulls with us from SB Nation. That will be at noon. And then the Coom Dog, Ron Coomer, will join us at 1 o'clock to talk about the the Chicago Cubs. And I see some of you guys lining up on the phone lines right now. 312 644 67 When we come back, we're going to take some of those calls. And Tom and I both have cuts from Justin Fields that we want to play for you and uh, dissect a little bit further as well. That is Tom Thayer. I am Mark Grody. We are here with you until 2 o'clock. In for Bernstein and Holmes on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest
1: 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
2: Dan Bernstein, Lawrence Holmes. Man, Bernstein and Holmes,
1: best show in radio. I love it, boys. Midday's 10-2 to 2, on 670 The Score. It's simply the
0: best!
3: It is absolutely a President's Day special today. Along with Tom Thayer, I'm Mark Brody On The Score, we've made a decision. We finally had a show meeting during the break, and <laughs> <laughs> we decided... Yeah, well, Tom and I come from the, the radio theory of less talking off the air yes. and save it all for the radio. So here we are. But we did make one executive decision, and that is that we were going to keep these phone lines open for you today, throughout the day. Obviously, if we have a guest on, well, who knows? Maybe we'll even squeeze in a, if you're really angsting for a question to one of our guests. And the first <laughs> one will be Mark Potash at 11 o'clock. You can call, too. Or if they're
1: early and they have a question for one of the guests, leave the question with us, and then we'll we'll ask it for you.
3: Right, because this is an extraordinary um, time here right now with everything that's going on with the Bears. And Tom is here. I am here. We both cover the Bears. So let's open it up. I want to know what's on your mind. We've got some stuff on our minds, too. Uh, We both – We both have cuts, Tom and I do, of Justin Fields that we will play a little bit later on as well. We have dueling cuts that we both think are interesting that we will get into as well. But let's start with the phone calls, a President's Day special, 312-644-6767. We begin with Walt in Deerfield. Hello, Walt. You're on the score. Hey, Walt. Uh, Hi, Mark.
0: Hi, Tommy. Uh, I had two quick questions, and I'll get out of your way. Uh, first question is, uh, do you know if any of the sports books have published the over and under win totals for the Chicago Bears uh, for 2023
3: yet? Mm, I'm sure they have. We'll check and find out. We'll put in a quick text to Joe. We'll find out.
0: That's, uh, and my second question, this would probably be more for you, Tom, would be as a player, I-, I watched the Super Bowl. I thought it was one of the greatest games I've ever watched. Then up to the last two minutes, the refs it kind of in- interjected themselves in a game. Call the holding call where they didn't call one for 58 minutes. I would have rather seen the the refs let the players dictate who was going to win. I was kind of heartbroken because I like both teams. Well, what are your thoughts as a player if 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 a ref would have kind of taken a game away from you of of that standing? I, I'm sure, I'm sure it would have been something you you never would have forgot.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Walt. I wish that they would have let the game just play out because I was looking at the flight of the football after the mysterious penalty they called, and I don't know if the receiver could have got in position to make the catch even if he had a free access to get into position because he took it to the inside and then the outside, and that takes time. And so the flight of the football was somewhere. I don't, I don't know if he's able to catch it. I thought that... The Jalen hurts when he tried to scramble away from pressure, tried to switch the ball into his hands, dropped it, and then kicked it forward. Was the biggest, you know, had, was the biggest disaster play that Philly had in the course of the game. And um, so, you know, it was more self-imposed mistakes created on the drop by Jalen more so than that that late call by the official. But yeah, I, I was with you. I enjoyed the game, and I wish that. Um, that the officials would have let it play out, and everybody's saying it's not just one play that you know
3: was the reason they lost. You Huge know. play. Well, that's such a cliche. Let's face let's yeah. it. So by now, that's a cliche. The whole when some when an individual player does something really dumb or a horrible play is made, what the inevitable answer in the locker room is. That wasn't what ruined us today. There were a th- yeah. no, but that's a massive play in crunch time right there. But so that's a pretty bad. That's a pretty bad one. Yeah,
1: but why didn't Philly get any sacks? Why was that's- Kansas City's offensive line so good when they were probably the most challenged? Challenged. Sa- Challenged segment of the football game itself out of every every other position. I and think
3: the offensive line of Kansas City worked their asses off for two weeks in terms of preparing because they heard everything. We 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 were all complicit. Yeah, and how good the Philadelphia defensive line is, and they are good, but they, they are, did not play well that day.
1: Right, they are good. They're an explosive defensive line. But you know when we left the locker room to go to the Super Bowl in '85. You know, it was almost like our – it was a foregone conclusion that our defense was either going to knock the quarterback out or they were going to get so many sacks that the quarterback was going to be gun-shy by the end of the first half, which really happened. And so I don't think – as much as I thought that the Philadelphia Eagles this year were comparable to the 85 Bears, I think that that was the biggest, you know, line in the the sand that their defensive line and as many guys as they had were sack-capable – were not like the the scheme and the thinking process of pass pressure by the 85 Bears. The
3: other thing I do not subscribe to is the idea that just because the refs were missing calls in the first half on pass interference or as some people say letting the guys play right. that that doesn't mean that you stop calling it when it's obvious and it's in front of you and you have to make a call because sometimes we give refs the benefit of the oh they're just letting them play maybe they're just missing calls maybe they're just missing stuff that's going on and then people get mad that they're not quote unquote consistent with it i'm like i'm always ready for the right call to be made you no don't, matter what the consistency is you know, one thing about
1: quarterbacks and special quarterbacks and really highly intelligent quarterbacks, they see it all. They know what the play is called, and they know where their number one, two, and third responsibility is going to be. Patrick Mahomes, the way he reacted to what he perceived as a holding call by the defensive back, it was hard for the official not not to throw the flag because Patrick knew what his number one option was, and when he saw him, get grabbed a little bit. He reacted just like Aaron
3: Rodgers and all these other quarterbacks do. Let's get back to the phone lines here. 312-644-6767. Grody and Thayer on the score. And David, I believe, has a nice little, maybe even emotional story about Tom Thayer. What Uh you got for us there, David?
2: Tom, you probably don't remember, but I met you at a White Sox game, and I want your – co-host and everybody to know what a gracious, nice young man you were at the time. Aww. You were playing at Notre Dame. And I asked who you were, and I knew that you played at Joliet Catholic. And uh, you were so accommodating and talked football. And uh, that night, I don't know if you remember, but Harold Baines hit his first major league home run off of Fergie Jenkins when he was uh, pitching for the Rangers.
3: Wow what um, year what year was this what year was this David about they're about
2: 70- Oh I'm 73 how the hell would I remember <laughs>
1: It, well, this is the cool thing about it. I do remember that being at the game because Harold Baines was picked number one in the draft. Bill Gullickson from my high school that year was picked number two in the draft. And Bill Gullickson was a pitcher that ended up going to the Montreal Expos and having a 20-year Major League career. But those of us in, Joliet, or in, the, in the Illinois, for that matter, that were White Sox fans... You know, we were going, God, this would be an unbelievable hometown sign for Bill Gullickson to go to the White Sox. And when they picked Harold Baines, it was a different story. But only because of the uniqueness of this scenario, I do remember. And,
3: uh, hey, it might have been like uh, 83. So wait, you were playing at Notre Dame at the time?
1: Yeah, I was playing at Notre Dame, but I think um, Bill was drafted in probably
3: like 78, 79. Okay. And so yeah. you, when did you graduate from ND? 83. 83, okay. That makes sense. So the Harold Baines thing, that's why I'm like, so he might be talking about that. Are you talking about the 83 socks, man? David? David? I know you're 73 and you don't know anything. but Yeah, it was before that. Okay. It was before 83. Okay. So, all right, yeah, that was, okay, got you. Thanks, man. Um, Yeah, 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 David. I got one more. Um,
2: Jay Hildenberg, I think he weighed seven Pro Bowls, blocked for Walter Payman, got a Super Bowl ring, and I think he was the long snapper for the punts
1: and the field goals,
2: I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. What do you think, Tom?
1: Thanks, man.
3: Thanks for the call. David, man. I
1: couldn't agree with you more. You know, when I, when I think of David, and he said he was 73 years old, and he obviously has a knowledge of sports from the Sox to the Bears. Listen, man, I, I sat up here and I um, – Soapbox for Jay all the time. You know, Jay Hilgenberg deserves to be in the Pro Bowl as much as, or or in the Hall of Fame as much as any player out there. Even about the players like the Devons and the Charles Tillmans and the Olin Kruitzes and stuff that we talk about of players that have come and gone since. You know, when you look at, when you're snapping extra points and field goals and punts, and you make tackles on punts, and you're playing every snap as the center over a significant period of time in just the the amount of postseason awards he was able to earn between the All-Maddens and the Pro Bowls and the All-Pros and stuff. Listen, it's, it's silly – And, you know, and I brought this up because it kind of aggravates me when I think about Joe Thomas getting into the Hall of Fame this past class. You know, Joe Thomas was on a losing team, and he played a lot of snaps. We all did. We all played a lot of snaps. But, you know, there's a guy that played 17 years for the Atlanta Falcons. His name is Mike Ken. He grew up in Evanston, went to University of Michigan, played 17 years as a left tackle for the Atlanta Falcons, and he gets no consideration Mm -hmm. for the Hall of Fame. What the hell is it? Is it just because a guy that is in the modern-day self-promotion because he's on the NFL Network and everything that we all assume that he deserves to be in it? No. Olin deserves to be in it. Jay deserves to be in it. Mike Ken deserves to be in it. And so we're always going to be talking about some of these guys in the past that unfortunately won't get a chance in the
3: future. I just hope – you know I I did take something from our – was it Dave that he's yeah. called? Yeah. When I am seventy three, I am gonna like. Hopefully, I'll still because I don't really, I don't really have retirement plans ever. I mean, I'm saying that now, right. but maybe, maybe down the road, I will. But I would like to be seventy three and hosting this show. And be able to answer questions like him when when somebody calls and asks me about a date, and be like I I don't know, I'm 73 years old. That, that's a nice little trick, right there. Well, I, I like you know, that. I'm
1: just glad I was nice to him. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I you know yeah. I went you know in in my life growing up, it was probably ten to one uh, White Sox to Cubs games that I went to. Now that I live more in that area, I I you know go to Cubs games. Um, You know, when I have the chance.
3: I know you do. All right, we'll take more of your calls. We're going to take a a quick break. Come back, take more of your calls. So if you're on hold, we will get right to you. And if you're interested in talking about the Bears or whatever, because it's just open phone lines here, you are welcome to come in and talk to that guy, Tom Thayer, and me, Mark Grody, at 312 644 Before we go to commercial, were you
1: surprised DeRozan was in at the All-Star game?
3: Was I surprised he was elected as an All-Star? Yeah. Uh, no, no. I, I, I mean, the, the way the NBA works, I mean, that guy did historic stuff last year. And he did said you see he had- his
1: facial expression when they introduced him as no. uh, the master of the
3: mid-range? Oh, I didn't hear and he, that. He, he
1: gave, like, side eyes to who, whomever was saying oh. that. They must have made made up the lines during the introduction, but it was funny if anybody else I saw. I did it.
3: hear them... Say the I think it was Brian. Who was his name? The guy that does the play by play for the game last night. Brian Anderson. He mentioned him as as the because the first shot he hits yes. is a sweet mid range shot yes. in the game, and he Tom. You know what he is? He's the mid range monster, master of the mid. Oh, mid- master, master the, of the mid range. Oh, okay. yes. yeah. That that would suck to have that title. Like like the entire <laughs> NBA is about threes and dunks. It, it was an eye roll. For yeah, sure. poor guy, poor DeMar and He's just not understood. More of your. Calls are coming up on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Bernstein and Holmes, midday's 10-2 to 2 on 670 The Score. Happy you have a day off today. I'd say I'd keep saying Happy President's Day, but I'm gonna stop saying that because nobody really cares that it's President's Day. Everybody cares that they have a day off today.
1: You would hey, if you were in seventh or eighth grade and you knew you weren't going to school. Like I, I got a five-year-old great nephew I was talking to yesterday about him not having to go to school.
3: I mean, you know, that's a Sunday night that I. Oh, you know. it's beautiful. Oh yeah, when you're at that age and you get these wraparound. Uh, weekends man. like that. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful, but I promise you that not one 12 year old who has a day off today is thinking about any of our presidents right now or <laughs> doing any sort of ode to them. I don't think so. I'd like to ask you your, your top 30 favorite presidents though. Could you, could you <laughs> give, give, start with 30 and work your way down? Uh, Roger but,
1: Goodell. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> it, it is a day off for you. So we are blessed that you are out there listening. And if you are working today, Thank you. Thank you for continuing normal life, which Tom and I are attempting to do here today on the scores. We are in for Bernstein and Holmes. We're taking your calls at 312 644 6767. Man, I don't know which way Dave is going on this, but he's asking a question that drives me crazy. Bring it, Dave. And that does deal with the 85 Bears. Dave, what's going on, man? You are on the score, morning, my friend. Guys. Good morning.
2: Good morning, guys. Hi, big Happy uh, President's Day. Happy President's Day.
3: <laughs> Whatever.
2: So. My uh, January 27th, when I woke up about three o'clock in the afternoon, huh. I was so mad that I didn't go to the Super Bowl because all my buddies went. I put a hundred dollars away every paycheck, thinking that I was going to go to the Super Bowl the following year. To make this a to make this an educational thing, say the Bears in a couple years win a Super Bowl. How can they repeat? And why didn't we repeat in '86? Because it was my biggest disappointment.
3: You're already, you're, about a, you're already talking about a modern day repeat. If if we do win, how will we win again? That's one of the greatest a great questions, questions ever, questions. ever on is. the score. So,
1: first of all, Dave, what did you do with that extra hundred bucks a week that you saved leading up to the next Super Bowl that you didn't go to? Did you do something all at once with it, or you know?
2: I got. I, I got married and put a down down deposit on the house. So it worked out good. That you year. know,
1: one thing about, you know, for our football team, as good as we were, you know, it was always injuries and inconsistency at the quarterback position when it came to the most important time of the year, and that's the playoffs. And, you know, you look at since that time up until this point, you know, Dave, I assume that you're a football fan and you see the teams that have quarterback interruptions throughout playoffs, it, it can derail your football team. And when you look at, in 80 so we win the Super Bowl January of 86 and the next year we play Washington Redskins in the first round of the playoffs and we don't have a healthy quarterback where it's a foregone conclusion that McMahon's going to come in and play and he's going to be healthy. And then you have Joe Gibbs, the head coach of the Washington Redskins at the time, kind of changing defensive game plans that they haven't shown all year to put a little bit of confusion on the line of scrimmage. So they play a four-man defensive front with three linebackers behind them throughout most of the season, and then they come in that game and they play a five-man defensive line. It changes the configuration of pass Pass protections, it changes the read of the quarterbacks, and sometimes it opens up a little bit more vulnerabilities and pass protections when everybody on the offensive line has a one-on-one responsibility. So you don't have that free guy looking to help where an an opening can be created. So, you know, and it's no secret. You know, you go back and you look at, you know, between the Doug Fluties and the Steve Fullers and the Mike Tomczak and the McMahons and stuff, when it got time for the playoffs, we just didn't have that stabilizing force on the offensive side of the ball that even if there were changes made against the team you were playing you know mid quarter mid stride that they were able to adjust to it.
3: I think it sucks that the bears that you guys did not win another Super Bowl in the eighties, but I've always said this like there there is, there is no tarnishment of of that era for me like the the leg and you can tell me differently if you want because i'm I'm throwing out the protection here but the the legacy is not dented that 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 team your team the '85 Bears and the '86 Super Bowl champions. You know, I was talking about this with some, some friends the other day. I mean, it's really hard when you go between the '80s Bears and the '90s Bulls and what Jordan accomplished. But for one year, like the, everything that happened at '85. I don't know if there's ever been a single season like that that captured the imagination of Chicago sports fans. Now, if you want to make a Jordan or Bulls argument, I am op- I am absolutely open to it because it's silly not to. But that, it was such a big deal to the point where people are still calling about it right now. So that's why I cannot get down with the people, and there are angrier people than Dave who said that the Bears they should. It's what a waste they should have won. And Yeah, you probably we, should have. We, hey, listen, uh, it, I, I don't need a caller to uh, tell I, me that. I know, but, th- but that doesn't hurt the legacy we, of what you guys you know, did. Like, you there's, know, there's no disappointment from from that era like on a grand scale because you didn't win multiple you know, Super Bowls. It, it's hard to win Super Bowl. Okay,
1: Washington went on to win the Super Bowl when they beat us. The, the biggest tarnishment to our legacy is getting beat at home by the 49ers, in the NFC championship game that we would have yeah. went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know that was bare weather. That was oh man, we're we're back. We you know we had a resurgence 5 years after we won the Super Bowl. And if we would have connected that era by a Super Bowl win in the uh, January of 86 for the 85 season and then 5 years later, it would have been a connection of of a legacy that okay, you kind of you got beat a couple times in the playoffs but you were able to hold on and get back to the Super Bowl. To me, when I talk about the worst things that happened in my football career, it's losing four times to USC at Notre Dame and then losing the 49ers NFC Championship game in Chicago. And and listen, I know about the other losses and in, in our record. We had the best record in the NFL when we got beat by the Redskins. But to me, the most haunting loss an, at a professional level was that uh, – Miami. Sam, no, No, was the San San Francisco. You know, the
3: Miami game I'm talking about, the regular season loss. Yeah, yeah. So so, so that's interesting because there was two bad losses. There was actually (laughs) several bad losses through the years, um, the 94- they, the, the, were you on that team, 94? No. 94 was the year where Wannies Bears beat Minnesota in Minnesota, which was awesome, Well, yeah. unexpected win, but then they get crushed by San Francisco. You guys in 84 beat Washington, and they get crushed by San Francisco. Yeah. You're not even talking about well, either of those games. I, no, and I'm, but
1: I'm talking about the haunting remembrance of some of the regular season games that we went to San Francisco and got absolutely crushed.
3: Oh, yeah. And,
1: you know, I don't think – you know, we didn't cross the 50-yard line at one game until the fourth quarter, you know, and it was just an awful experience to have to go into San Francisco against some of their better eras of football on Monday night football and get crushed and then have a flight that got you back at 6 o'clock in the morning.
3: (laughs) Let's get back to the more important issue, though, of when the Bears win another Super Bowl in the next five years, how will they then win another Super Bowl? Because that's where Dave was with that. Well, yeah, that's what Dave and I... And it is a good question. I think
1: it's, you know, trying to keep the most important pieces in place. And, you know... Listen, in eighty five we lost Wilbur Marshall and we are still in the to next Washington. year, yeah, yeah, one of the best defenses is still and you know, analytically in the league and what they are able to accomplish. But if the Bears win a Super Bowl going forward, it's about like I said, keeping – you know, what is essential to your success on the field? And is that the quarterback? Is that certain members of the defense? Are you starting to develop talent here that you can stack behind each other?
3: Yeah, let, let me take one more call. I know we're uh, we're probably needing to break here, but I want to make sure Ed gets in. He's been waiting. Ed. Ed, give us 30 seconds, man. Hey, what you got What you got going on, brother? Thayer and Grody are here for you.
0: Hey, guys. Tom, I got a question for you, though. If the Bears trade down, as I kind of expect –
2: a player that they might be looking at is Skronsky the tackle from Northwestern, who by all accounts was a phenomenal football yep, player. Yep. The rap on him is his arm
0: length. If How how important is
3: that?
1: Oh, yeah. And I, and I, that is the least important measurement of anybody that can go to any combine college day and say, okay, what's going to be the determining factor in your success is the fact that your arms, your arms are 35 and a half inches long, not 37 inches long. I think it's big, the biggest bunch of baloney. And I'll tell you what, I, I could put, um, um, A college senior, uh, incoming rookie, Jimbo Covert, take his measurements and look how long or short his arms are. Look at his height. Look at his inseam. Look at his vertical jump. They're probably not as measurable as some of these guys today in the combine, but Jimbo Covert would go out there and be a first-day starter and kick anybody's butt on any defensive line in the National Football League. So you get too caught up in these measurements. Listen, that kid from Northwestern, he's a player. He's a extremely intelligent, uh, per, you know, person that learns the system that doesn't make mental errors. That is a good athlete, and he, you know, he played in the conference that he was up against competition. So, I, you know, I, I get a, I get a joke out of, and I will say. One time the Bears went and signed a free agent, and they made this big ploy. Oh, we're going to camp outside of his house, and when he becomes a free agent, we're going to sign his name. Was Frank Omiel? And yeah, he, I remember Frank. He had yeah. the longest arms that was ever measured by a Chicago Bear staff, and you know all that. And he was the worst, one of the worst players I've ever seen. Oh man! And so arm length did nothing but confuse him and allow the defender to get into his body before he could straighten out his arms. So
3: yeah, there's been a lot of Bears offensive linemen through the years who have. had Great measurables, like Chris Williams, um, the, the guy from um, oh, Mark Colombo who ended up having a pretty nice career with Dallas. Gabe Karimi, the kid from Wisconsin right. who came to Stan Thomas. <laughs> right. <laughs> you want to go way back, man. I played next to him. I know you did, and I don't want to, like, I get stuck in these, these 80s Bears uh, capsules, and I, I can't get you out know, of them, You know, so. you
1: go back and you look at arm, arm length of Jay, Hilligenberger, Olin Krutz. Those guys could start on any football team in the history of the National Football League, and they got stumps. So don't sit there and tell me it's because you got to have these, these ex- extra long arms. They're going to be the difference uh-huh. in success. Do you not-
3: think that he'd appreciate you it saying that they have stumps? Hey, uh, hey, Hilgi, you got a stump, buddy. I,
1: I say it for lack of a better term. These Both of those guys know how much I respect them and yeah, them as players I know, I and know. what they mean, that what they meant to the franchise and yep. the, the culture inside the locker room. But I just say it as a joke because, you know, when I went to the Combine, every year in my in the program, I think since high school, I was listed at 6'5". So you go to the Combine, they make you stand backwards against the wall, lift your toes off the ground, and then they put an, a ruler on Top of your head that pushes your hair down. No cheating. And I also went. And then I went from six three to six three and three quarters. When the whole time I was selling myself <laughs> a six five, and I probably lost a, a draft, oh, a, a draft level, that's and ridiculous. money because of it. That
3: sucks. That sucks. Well, you. It turned out just fine for you. We, we do have to take a break. When we come back, we're going to bring, entering the conversation, will be the great Mark Potash from the Chicago Sun-Times. So we'll keep the Bears talk cooking. We'll reopen the phone lines a little bit. Actually, you know what? You can, you can jump in here right now. If you've got a question for Potsy during our Bears segment, if you want to ask him a question, feel free at 312-644-6767. Along with Tom Thaker, I am Mark Grody. We are in for Bernstein and Holmes on the score.